this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Hi listeners, this is Aria, one of the interns at Learning Teams Incorporated. Welcome to the 84th episode of the Practice of Learning Teams podcast show. On today's special holiday season episode, the hosts, Brent Sutton and Brent Robinson, reflect on the year that has been and explore what 2023 may bring. We hope that you have enjoyed season three of the podcast show. Season four will commence in February 2023 with a great lineup of guests wanting to share their stories about their journey and what they learned. During January, I will take over as the podcast host and bring you some highlights from the last three seasons. On behalf of the community of learning teams, I wish you and those that support you the very best during the holiday season. And may 2023 be a year of learning and improving. Well, Brent Robinson, it's that time again. It's that time again when we do a pod that looks at uh, the year in reflection around 2022. And we also talk about what does 2023 bring. It's been a hell of a year. It certainly has. Look, if anyone said 2022 was was a uh, an easy year, I would like to take I would like to be them. Yes. Because <laughs> and I mean, even in the run up into Christmas has been totally crazy. You know, we're not we got teams not finishing until the 23rd. First time wow. ever. First time ever. That's crazy. And, you know, I, I think some of it is that, um, you know, we're on the sort of like the tail of the pandemic. Yeah. And people are just struggling um, with that extended period of time of around uncertainty. Yeah, I, yeah, I I agree. It, it hasn't seemed to have. If I thought it would have been calmer this year, but my view is that people are really pushing. Um, it's harder to travel than it's ever been. It's more expensive to travel than it's ever been. Yep. Um, I think the advantage we've had this year is that we've been able to go and see some new friends, which has yep. been super That's interesting. Right. I think people are less patient. Oh, definitely. Well, I as am. Well. Yeah, I'm not saying that people are more angry. I think they're less patient. Yep. Yeah, but I think you know if we if we think about 2022, uh, you know the great news was continuing that journey about to build really good community. Yeah. And I think that's probably been the highlight is that helping build better community, but also expanding the community. You know, yes. you and I've had conversations this year where we thought we're going to give this a go and we had a perception in our mind of, oh, yeah, these guys aren't going to listen. They're in a, they're in a different click about new view and hop and safety differently. And they weren't. They're all, they're all struggling and just broadening the conversation has been totally amazing. And the sharing of information and ideas has been really, really cool. Absolutely. And and I think that's being able to be very transparent between building community 
and doing commercial work. Yeah. And I think a lot of people out there really confuse those two things. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. So I think our building of friendships has come from the fact that we've been very transparent about those things. Yeah. And uh, that's what we say, isn't it? It's about building trust. Yeah. So building new friendships. Uh, I think probably uh, the most valuable friendship that got created this year for me would have to be Josh Bryant at Mitchell Services in um, Queensland. Yeah, that's that's Josh. Is, Josh has been fantastic. Uh, Stephen Harvey. You know, yep. just going up there and um, welcoming us with open arms has been has been really cool. You know, great learning experiences, great um, sharing of ideas. Um, the hardest book club I've ever done in my life. Yes, yes. So for our listeners, um, Queensland, they have a thing called a book club. Um, it's not people sitting around a table reading. No. It's not people talking about what they've read. There's something else involved, and it's something that either causes hydration or causes dehydration, depending on how much one consumes. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> but I have and to say that they are reaching to better heights yes. as a result of our, our, our visit. I think we might have been the low brand. Well, you've got the, there's nothing wrong with nothing wrong with creating a benchmark, is there? No, no, you can only improve from there. That's right, and, and I think what we've what we've learned, what they learned, was to learn and improve. Exactly, exactly. Um, our learning was don't book early flights the next morning. No, no, no. Definitely but, not. For two reasons: you won't get an Uber, and second no. of all, you don't want to get an Uber. Exactly, exactly. But look, that was great because I mean, obviously, it was great being able to be in Australia. Um, for for you it was you know because it's it's next door for you, you know it's all part of your where you live, but I think, you know, being able to travel was great. And I've just been looking at some of our um, podcast data and uh, the US is our biggest market for listeners and Australia would be the second business followed by New Zealand and Canada. Oh, Canada. And That's then good. And then Ireland and United Kingdom and Brazil's in the top 10, which is good. And we are now listened to in 43 countries. Wow. Yeah. What's and, the mo what's the standout one for you? What country you go, wow, I did not know. Uh I'm just having a quick look here. Cause our latest countries is uh Chitna, which is wow. Ken Kenya. Wow, fantastic. Greece. Bahrain? Wow. Korea? We're multinational. Um, I presume Korea. I think I presume they're looking at South Korea, not North Korea. But, <laughs> you never know. Well, They might absolutely. be looking to learn and improve. <laughs> uh, nothing here about Russia. But hey, oh. that's a little bit political at the moment. I think there's more blame maybe happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you can't... You can't um, Blame and learn. You know, we've said that many times. That's right. It's um, a choice. In interesting. Hong Kong and and uh, Hong Kong, Taiwan and China are in that top twenty as well. Wow, that's good. Yeah. So 
always surprised, and Israel's in there as well. And number 14th place. Oh, welcome to the top 20. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'd hate to know what they're talking about when they listen to our podcast, but that's great. <laughs> yeah, we, could no, just, we could simply be background music. Maybe. Maybe they're just driving into maybe. Tel Aviv or somewhere. That's, that's right. Um, I think it's been really interesting. And some of those conversations we've had around, you know, um, you know, around some of the work you've been doing in the EUs and some of that broader conversation we've had has been really, you know, so amazing to be part of and, and just seeing where people are at. And once once they start on that journey, how they're, how they're traveling, it's that has sort of blown me away. Yeah. So, so, so I think it's fair to say that the growth and the use of and the acceptance of learning teams as a way to learn has really changed. It's really grown quite a bit. And that growth has not just been from that traditional market space of learning from events, yep. but also people wanting to to learn from normal work. And also, well, it shouldn't come to us as a surprise, but people using learning teams for other things than safety. Yeah. And then using, that's, yeah. that's, where that's the surprise. Well, so I don't know if it's a surprise, but, you know, for me this year, it's been really interesting that, you know, that hop and the 14 points of Deming have really sort of resonated for me this year. It's been really, really cool. Mm-hmm. It's, it's taken us back to um, some of Deming's work this year and rereading some stuff from 30 years ago going, okay, well, cool. You know, they were on a path right back then. Um, and, you know, the hops come on its own path. And we really need to speak to um, Carsten and see what he thinks from a historical perspective. Cause sure. Because I think... You know, he'd it'd be really interesting to see his view on that stuff. And we, I know we've discussed it with him before, but yeah, I'm loving the idea that sometimes we start off with what we'd perceive as a safety problem, and it ends up having operational influences as we go along and improvements within the operational sphere at the same time. And I think yeah. that is so powerful, and I've, I've been really, really enjoying that. Um, and you know how many how many safety professionals along the way have said you know well, how do you sell it to the executive management team mm-hmm. or the board and you know from my point of view it's been well you know we've we've had the safety um, problem that we've run a learning team on and as part of some of the outcome we've had an operational improvement and a, and we're more efficient than we were as well now you know I quite often I think that boards and EMT see safety as adding more cost and slowing down operational effectiveness. And what we're seeing is that it's the opposite. It's actually improving it. Yeah, so it's shifting that dial from compliance and cost. Yep. Shifting that dial to value. Yes, adding value. Yeah, which is all about operational excellence. And look, we shouldn't be surprised because we wrote about it in the book Back in 2018, 2019, when we were forming the book, we wrote about it. So we shouldn't be surprised. It's just that we wrote about it because we wanted people to show them how it could be used. Yeah. So I suppose what surprised us has been that uptake. Yes. And it's that validation. And, you know, it comes back to removing waste out of the, out of your system and building a better yeah. system. And even people that had traditional lean programs, the bits they've taken out of learning teams has also surprised me yeah. as well because they've they've realized that a lot of that 
systematic approach that they've taken isn't creating that depth of conversation or that diversity of conversation that's so important. Yep. And even in the lean world now, because um, I listen to a number of lean podcasts, just the word of learning now in lean is becoming used more and more frequently. Yeah. Which brings us back to that, you know, what type of organization are we? Are we truly a learning organization? Because what I'm what I'm starting to see the spark of and what's really exciting me is that it's now safety and operational improvements, but also innovation. And that mm-hmm. innovation might even come in product because people have got a better way of using it or doing it or getting it onto the customer's um, site or whatever it might be. There's just... This is what I'm loving about it. That we're yeah, that work design affecting yeah. that work that work design. Which, if we think about it, if if we go back to all that systemic stuff, all that root cause, if we can change work design, yep. If we can um, change how the hazards are present at the very nature of the work itself, then we have less concerns about all the human components and all the human biases that exist. Yep. That we're so fixated in many other um, systems about trying to fix or solve. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing that's really um, resonated this year is that the solutions are amongst those frontline teams. Oh, everyone... Why are we surprised that when management participates in a learning team and hears from the workers, why are we surprised they say, I never knew those guys knew that stuff? Hmm. Yeah, why, why are we surprised? And, and it sort of makes me wonder. I don't know if it's that organizations um, have lost the art of listening. I wonder if organizations never knew how to listen. They're really yeah. good at telling. Yep. And some of them are really good at shouting. Yep. But I wonder how many of them actually ever ever thought about what does listening mean? And I was sort of wondering, has it come back to this notion that as managers, that if we know something, then then we have to try and fix it. You have to have to it always has to lead to an action, an outcome. Yep. yep. Yeah. And I think that and I think that's where people are comfortable. They're seen as the knowledge holder and they have to go and fix it. But when you actually ask them, they're going, Oh, you know, we really need more input. Yeah, look, but, I know it's a male thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I still spend all my life trying to fix stuff, even even though it's a fool's errand. <laughs> right there with you. Yeah. But but I, I wonder, you know, we keep telling leaders they need to change. And maybe we need to stop telling leaders what they need to do. And maybe we need to show leaders what listening looks like. Yep. And in reflection, I think that's what a learning team does. It shows the power of listening. Yep. Shows that power of participation. And some that I've spoken to, they're actually they've really enjoyed the fact that they're not being told they need to act in a certain way or behave in a certain way or do things in a certain way. Yeah. And I think. Uh, what we're seeing is that quite often that the, you know, they're told that they need to do two safety walks a month. From what I see, they 
and I'm, I'm sure there's some people doing some great stuff, right? But the majority of what I've seen, and I think you and I have spoken about this before, is those safety walks appear in the last week of the month. Yep. Right? Or, the or they're, the following, they're following some set yep. process or some set procedure. Yeah. And, and this goes back to, you know, we talk about Einstein. You can only see what you know. Yep. Going so out and looking based on a script or a set of things doesn't give you insights. No. no Asking, actually, being curious. Actually, yeah. It'll feed into what you're expecting to find. Absolutely. Because we have a bias. You know, yeah. That's why I talked about, you know, Einstein said you can only see what you know. So you're only looking for what you know. I don't I think, know if learning can be com- can come from that. I think you're not taking the opportunity that is there if you have a a more, a more curious way of going about it. Yeah, you know that. You know, one of the um, people I saw a, or a couple of months ago is they have a they got rid of their safety walk and they call it a um, safety learning moment, and mm-hmm. it's actually flipped around the other way that the person going out there has gone out there to learn something different. Yep. So the manager or the leader, and that's been a real change because it's not about a safety walk. And when they explained it to the staff, they thought that was really cool. So, you know, we said that your job is to help them learn something. Right. Right. And it just those simple changes in words changed the way everybody saw them coming out into the operation or into the field and how they went out into the field. Because they weren't well, there to they weren't there to find something wrong. They're there to learn about what goes on in everyday work. And I think just that language safety moment. Yeah. That you're talking about a moment in time. Yep. Um, I don't know how many people call their things a safety inquisition. <laughs> okay. But you know, let's face it, um, a lot of these are intervention based, but a yep. safety moment basically saying that you, you you want to have, you know, a conversation, a two way conversation. Yeah. And you're saying as a leader, I want to learn something yeah. about what you guys have to do. So could you imagine then all those leaders getting back together and sharing as a group what they learned? Yep. And then getting those leaders to look for those patterns from what they learned. Yep. And then saying, right, are there some things here that are an opportunity for us to do some deeper understanding about. Because I, I have this feeling that a lot of these conversations are focused about threats, that they're actually looking at it in the very in the deficit model. Yeah. You know, I went out, I saw these three things, I saw these two unsafe actions, I told someone they need to do better. Yeah. Could, so could you imagine leaders getting together and having an opportunity conversation. Yeah, I think that, and that's where the power is because there'll be things that you go and see that you've never seen before. Yeah. And and rather than saying it's wrong, let's be curious. Yeah. Because even, even like some of that work around Deming, when, when we think about certain processes, they talked about having, is that what, tech time? Having yep. a, a set frequency of time? Yep. But doing it, taking longer or producing more product in the same period of time, or producing less product, they're both opportunities. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of organizations think that if we can do more in less time, 
that's innovation. Hmm. Yeah. I would call that pressure. There are many things. Yeah, and, uh, but, and I think, but I think by many things. But I think your the frontline teams will actually help in that process. So yeah, well, look, we can, but you know, if we only have didn't have to do blah, you know, and and that's what I've loved about this year is that you know I've been lucky enough to get involved in stuff where it's not necessarily safety in its traditional form. It's actually you know one of those great examples was we had a design team and a project delivery team. And the project delivery team are saying it's taking way too long for the design team to finish stuff off, right? Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of pressure on that um, design team. And when we sat down with them, we found all sorts of issues around um, computer servers and stuff that was slowing them down up to 90 minutes a day. But they're in the firefight so often. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the psychological pressure that they're under? Absolutely. Feeling like failure, these guys breathing down their neck. And that's what was, that's what, that was the catalyst of the conversation. Yeah. But then what we found, you know, all this stuff came out and it was actually an overall improvement because yeah. we, we got to understand what wasn't working, what and they I were think... facing, what they were having to deal with. And it was so, you know, if it takes twice as long to upload than it did the day before, you're not going to necessarily notice it, right? And I just love that stuff that comes out of these things that, you know, the perception is it was blah, or one and the reality was it was a whole bunch of things that we can go and look at and work on and improve yeah and and i'm finding it interesting that more and more learning teams that i'm involved with the stronger the connection at the moment between work design and psychosocial risks yeah so i was with a group and they um had had an increase of uh vehicle uh, rollovers or, or or vehicles, you know, on on these types of roads that they have um, in very rural type areas, and they've got you know thousands and thousands of kilometres of road that they have to maintain for this work to be done. And they're not public roads; they are roads for getting in and out of um, these sort of environments. And the net result is. You can always build a road that won't allow rollovers to happen. Yep. But the cost of building that road is huge. Yeah. So when we explored with the drivers, the guys that do the work, yes, they could tell us about how the conditions of the road change. They can tell us about how communications happens between other drivers they could share to us about um, eating well. They could share with us about their logbooks. They could share all those things. But the thing they said that that really took to heart to me was that it's the impact on them psychologically when their day doesn't go to plan. Yep. And what they were sharing with me is they turn up at certain sites and that culture that exists on that site is one that's actually quite um, bullying. Yep. And that sets them up for a bad day. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So the way trucks are loaded or unloaded and all those yep. sort of behaviors. Yep. And it was really interesting that, that this is what they shared. Yeah. 
And this is an industry that was known for being hard. Yeah. But here's a bunch of guys sharing the type of stuff that they're facing every, every day. day. So there were some sites that they love to go to. There were some sites they hate to go to. Yep. Do you think that actually increases risks for those sites they hate to go to? Oh, sure. Do you think it lowers risks for the sites that they love to go to? Yeah, guaranteed. Because yep. there'll yep. be a whole bunch of other stuff that isn't necessarily visible. Correct. Because but... that decision-making, that stuff that the drivers are doing, all that decision-making, because the organization says, you know, you need to focus, you need to scan ahead, all that all that stuff that we talk about. Yep. It all comes back to what is your state of mind at that time? Yeah. So if you've just gone through a horrendous... Um, conversation where the guy's saying, you know, you freaking put your own stuff on to secure the load. I'm not going to change the load. You know, you do this, you do that. Are you going to hang around and make them do that? No, you're going to get done. Under get threat out. of physical violence? Or are we going to freaking get out? Yeah. 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 I think there's but, two things there, isn't there? That when you're having that, using a learning team and having that conversation, it's a much deeper, more nuanced conversation. Yeah. But the other thing that stuck out in that that um, example was appetite for risk. Yes, yep. you can make the road perfect and it'll stop rollovers. But it's appetite for risk. Mm-hmm. And that's so important, you know, because you can't de-risk everything. I actually, I'm going to share a video with you after this. Um, for the, We might use it when we're up in the States or in Canada about appetite for risk. And mm-hmm. what it shows is a um, high-tension power line. Mm-hmm. 200,000 odd volts running through it. And they have to replace the spacer between two cables. Right. And they do it without turning the power off. Yeah, so live power. Yeah. Yep, live power. You know how they do it? In a helicopter. Okay. I look at it and go, nah. Nah. But these guys... sound right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When you see the video, it doesn't look right. But, you know, these guys have decided that this is their appetite for risk. Right. And I'd like to run a little survey when we're up there, maybe that um, we go, okay, we're going to show you this little clip. Um, and here's the survey. Go, tell me how many people think this is a yeah. great idea. How many people think, yep, as long as you've got a lot. Absolutely. I love this appetite for risk thing. Yeah, look, appetite for risk, uh, risk homeostasis, which yep. is all that thing about we just accept that that's the norm and we feel powerless to affect change, all those yep. things. Absolutely. Now, the other thing that was really good this year, I won't want to say good, one of the things that probably, I don't know, but you took me by surprise was the adoption and response of the 4Ds as a frontline worker insight approach. That has been such an amazing sort of bushfire explosion of conversations and people using it and adapting it to their... That has been absolutely amazing. And it's so easy to start a conversation with it. Yeah. And and if I think about it, um, f- for me, it all came about from uh, a chat. Remember we had a, a, a chat with uh, Deidre Lewis that time? Yeah. And Deidre was sharing with us um, about, about learning too much. Yeah. About every time you go out, you can learn something. Yep. And that whole notion that, you know, our current model of going out you can keep learning, keep learning, keep learning. And it really said to me that, yes, no matter what system you use, 
you will have a finite capacity of how many things you can do. It's always going to be finite capacity. So for me, that triggered that whole book about learning from everyday work, which was how do we shift it so away from an intervention model where the organization leads into a model that workers lead. Yeah. And then, you know, working with Jeff Liff and just harnessing the essence of that 4D has become so powerful. Yeah. And, you know, surprisingly, you know, what I what I hear is that workers get it straight away. There's no issue with them whatsoever. When leaders in organization look at the four Ds, they think when we refer to the word dumb, we're referring to workers. Yes. No, we're talking about the work design, really. All the thing they have to do. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think that's been the, and I just love the adaptability of and where you can use it, you know, back to that. Uh, design product delivery conversation we're having a minute ago. That's what we ask them. We use the four Ds in there to say to mm-hmm. the guys doing the design, what's dumb, dangerous, difficult, or different, right? And they had, well, this is dumb and this is difficult because of. And yep. just what a great way to start a conversation that takes people in a, you know, they thought we're going into that room to say, well, you know, why does it take you so long to do this? And we mm-hmm. flipped it around the other way and it was, What's dumb Dave? And people get it. It's just instantaneous. And the stuff they share. Yes. Um, but then I saw the downside of the four Ds where people thought the more you could populate, yep. the more complete it was. So that also said to me that we have this, we have this thing that exists called the fear of incompleteness. Yes. And I've seen that with people that have moved from investigation process to learning teams. They can't handle that organic nature of a learning team because they they have a fear that they're going to miss something. Yeah. But I think what drives that too is also this um, psyche around we've found everything out and we've fixed it and it's a one-off deal instead of thinking about it from a continuous improvement point of view that – Yep, we've had a look at it. We found these things, and we've improved it. But we're yep. going to come back to it. You know, it's yep. it's a continuous cycle. We're going to look at that again and go, oh, "How's this Absolutely. working for us now?" You know, PDCA yeah. back to PD. You know, and you don't have to. It's not a one-time fix. No, you're going to fix everything. It's an evolution. And some of those things can fit into multiple of the quadrants, but that's not the issue either. No, the issue is getting people to. Um, be thinking and reflecting on normal work and using the four Ds as a trigger to get them to share stories. Yeah. I I really liked um, the work we got to do this year where we used that app to anonymous, anonymously collect worker insights using four mm-hmm. Ds. That was super cool because that way it let you look at the one the patterns that were coming out over a longer period, yeah. not just that moment that you were there or talking to people, but that with those weak signals and that noise in the system that would normally dissipate, you wouldn't see it. Yeah, which and goes showing back to, and showing it graphically, yeah, so and, everybody can see it. That was the coolest thing we got to do, and oh, that I got to be involved with this year. It was just 
so super powerful. And again, people go, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, that's what? really cool. Really? What's that one? You know, and, and get to dig down on it. And then you can make a decision about, back to Deidre's point, we're learning too much. Well, you know what? We're going to focus on this one because this one keeps appearing every seven and a half days or every randomly over a three-month period, but seven times over a three-month period. You know, and that's that power is just amazing. And and that, that goes back to Todd's good work around, you know, the blue line, black line, and how risk ebbs and flows. Yep. And what that, the learning from everyday work stuff that we've been um, building and constructing physically shows it. Yep. And I think that's what's exciting. It's a visual representation of how risk is ebbing and flowing through the organization. Yep. It's Which like, is a yeah, great but, opportunity. It's a great opportunity. Yeah. Well, I get really frustrated because I see lots of people saying, oh, we're doing a safety safety cultural survey or a safety survey. In my experience, they're nearly useless because it's a one-shot deal. You do it twice a year. And what this this framework gives you is it's continuous. You yeah. know, you're looking all the time. And I love that. I love that the ebbing and flowing of risk because that's exactly what it is because the seasonality and weather events and all sorts of stuff that you know come into play holiday season and tiredness and pandemics and all sorts of things and it's changing all the time it's changing all the time right and and our systems don't really deal with that change very well no 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 i think up until now we're building systems that collect lots of data yeah or systems they build systems to deal with what they call routine work and yep. non-routine work. Yeah. So, so a good example, uh, you know, I've been working in that sort of um, that kiwi fruit um, area for those people that love a good bit of kiwi fruit, and you know, those organisations they have three distinct seasons that happen. You have that sort of pick and pack season when you are harvesting all that fruit and bringing it in to be packed and stored. You've got that repack season where you're exporting that product around the world over different times as their markets have a need. And then they've got this period in time where they do a whole lot of changes to the environment and getting ready for the next pick and pack seasons. Now, the hazards are the same. The hazards that are present throughout those three things are the same. But how those hazards are present are totally different over those three different phases. Yeah. So that that's where the four Ds allows us to see that 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 power of it. Uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting is um, we're seeing that merging and intersecting between hop safely differently in new view. Yeah. To the extent where. Um, people just interchange the language for whatever reason. And, and I don't know whether that's actually um, good or bad. All I know is that HOP is about building better defences. HOP you know, is, is truly about building better systems to create better outcomes for workers. Yep. Um. I get less phased. You know, I think people just try and relabel things sometimes. And I think um, Todd and Sydney did a good job of <laughs> merging two things together, even if they didn't want to in their latest 
mm-hmm. uh, latest collaboration. Um, I agree that Hop is about building better defenses, right? That's that's what it's about. Which is good risk management, and we should never we should never never not look to build better defenses. No, totally agree. Um, because I, I'm not convinced that work can ever be safe. I think what I find frustrating about this particular um, hop safety differently in new view is that there's a whole bunch of people banging on about what's right or what's more pure or all that stuff. And it's all about um, the what and why. Mm-hmm. And that frustrates me because, okay, most people are getting the what and why. We need to change the way we're approaching safety. And I'm, I'm not an advocate of throwing out all the safety one stuff, even if you could define what safety one was and safety two is, you know, I don't, I think you got, you got, you got to blend the two together to suit your organization and how your organization works. But what one is going to help enhance or, you know, hop or, Safety two, let's call it safety two, is going to enhance what you've already got. So you move away from just compliance all the time. Yeah, look, I mean, um, yeah, I've been thinking about it quite a bit. And I think how safety one approaches continuous improvement through an intervention model where the system is right and people need to conform versus how the likes of, say, how learning teams operationalizes hop. Yep. And that's continuous improvement model, which is slightly different. No, I, I think, think there, there are there, there, but there's room for both. Yeah. I, I, there's, there's, because we need to know if, if we put these stuff, if we put the stuff in, if we put controls in, yep. we need to know that they're working as intended. Yeah. But the opportunity is to do that, not to say that those controls are the the gospel, and if you're not meeting that control, then you need to adjust to meet it. Because I think the thing about a learning team, it's actually questioning all the time whether the system can support people and yep. safer outcomes. Yeah, and I and, think I think that's a really good point. I think what drives it sometimes is people will say to me, oh, you know, should we um, be AS forty one oh forty eight oh one compliant or AS or ISO forty five thousand. As Deming said about ISO nine thousand, it's a start, right? At least you're yep. starting to think about how you're going to systemize and operationalize. And I think the work that um, has been done on forty five thousand and one actually shows that those things are changing. You know that you're taking a wider view of what's happening. You know, and you've done a lot yeah. of work on that. Oh, well, I had someone the other day saying you, you're telling us to um, you're telling us to give up on reporting, and I'm saying no, I didn't say that. What I'm saying to you is that people need lots of different ways to engage with the organisation. Yep. And reporting is simply one way of doing that. And the opportunity is for you to to give those frontline workers different ways of helping the organization to learn and understand. Yep. Isn't that the question at the end of the day? Are you, as an organization, trying to learn and improve? Yeah. Or are you happy to continue using your your systems and doing what you do? And it must be successful for you because you're profitable, or we imagine you're profitable. So, you know, 
is this going to be better to help you learn and improve? Yeah. So so definitely for me, probably probably what has been um, disappointing to me have been the arguments amongst academics yep. or amongst um, respected safety practitioners arguing about who's got a better system or approach. And it reminds me of a playground with children. <laughs> and it's it's who who's got the biggest voice, who's loud, who's who's shouting the loudest at the moment? What they claim as being a failure of hop or safety differently is actually about change management. Yeah. Not about the philosophies or the approaches. So I heard one recently where they said that. Um, hop and safety differently will, will increase injury rates over the first four years. I, I struggled with that because what what was being inferred by that? It causes more harm or... You're getting more reporting. Yes, or getting more visibility about the things that are happening that you didn't know about before. I don't know, but making so, that statement didn't give me it, context. But that has been the same thing leveled at lean implementations. Yes. You're going to find that there's more quality issues because people are now more comfortable about reporting more quality issues. Yes. It, it just it it's actually a much better way of being because you're finding out more. But and I can talk to from a continuous improvement point of view. I have not I've seen more reported. I've never seen more quality or product issues being created by putting in a new process or a better or a better way of looking at stuff and if they just went and had a look at some of that data from those ancillary type implementations they would understand that they're using uh, the other thing is it's become very partisan right it's it's left and right and right and right and wrong and black and white and, and but to me that that always exists as things move from early adopters yep. into that mainstream market. Yeah. That's when it happens. And I've even seen that within our own hop and learning teams community. Yeah. Where someone tries something, um, shows what they learnt, but because they've not been a purist in that space, some of the purists say, you know, some different things about what they're doing. Yeah, they and, haven't done it right. But, but the reason why people are early adopters and the reason why organizations are mainstream are totally different. Yeah. Which leads us to probably what does 2023 bring? And I thought about this really hard and I sort of come at the saying that 2023 is the year of doing. Yes, Finally. Yeah, not the year of the rat or the pig or the cow or the ox or whatever it may be. It's the year of doing. And and I think, you know, for the work that we're doing, it's about shifting that dial from the what and the why to the how and the when. Hallelujah. Because that's yeah. what I am. I'm, I'm fatigued with what and why. Yeah. I don't, so, need, I don't need another book on what and why. I just want to see some really cool stories of how people have um, been successful, how they can be more successful. And just, ref you know, what's one of the questions we get asked, Brent? I oh, you know that learning team wasn't very good. 
Okay, so let's reflect on why it wasn't good. What would you do differently next time? And, you know, when you ask that question of people, they go, oh, I'll do this, this, and this, and I might have a, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's just about improvement. And it's it so much, it's just so much more about um, now doing it. But, le- but learning is learning. There's no such thing as bad or good learning. It's learning. Yes. You can either learn more or you can learn less, but there's no such thing as bad learning. And what's the thing that helps you with that is reflection on what just happened. Absolutely. How it, it went. It is. So we kick off 2023 with our, we're speaking at the Safety Tool Application Conference in uh, Florida. And um, once again, a, a great committee there led by Tom McDaniels and Diane Chadwick jones They've done amazing things. It's a not-for-profit event. Uh, we've got um, big names, of course, attending as well. So, you know, uh, Eric Honagel and, and, of course, our good friend, Todd Conklin. And, um, you know, Todd's promised lots of Cuban sandwiches while we're in Florida. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll be doing that. Maybe but, a cigar. But I think the important thing is that conference is about the application. Yeah. So super excited, super grateful that we're able to host um, some learning teams um, for the guys while we're there as well. Um, getting there is the other problem, but that's fine. <laughs> I think we're under control. It's, and uh, quite a few, quite a few flights there, Brent. Quite a few flights, quite a few miles, quite a few hours, um, and lots of jet lag. But we'll get that. I'm going to self-medicate with a glass of New Zealand Chardonnay. Of course, always provide the best. Um, but you know, and of course, meeting up and person with people that I we haven't seen for a while or yep. be never physically never met. Yeah, no, never, I think never met. Th- that's the bit I'm excited by. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna get a whole bunch of people that are trying stuff and we're gonna learn so much from just some really good yep. conversations at all points during the day, I imagine. Yeah. Absolutely. And then super excited about um wandering um over to Canada to Vancouver with Jeff and his home territory. And running those um, those workshops in Vancouver as well, yeah. Um, and that that's going to be super exciting because you know Canada is in our top five, which is fantastic, and it's great to be, hang out with our Commonwealth brothers, <laughs> and to um, have some good poutine, and um, you know maple syrup on tap the whole time. Yeah, real maple syrup. Yeah. Um, but I haven't been able to order any learning teams plaid or checked um, polos at this point. Okay. So we might have to go with one color, you know. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but look, uh, 2023, what have we got on? Uh, we've got a new book coming out in 2023. Yep. Which uh, shouldn't come as a surprise to people, but it's a, a field guide, it is a practical how to guide about using the four Ds with learning teams and HOP. So super excited. And that's in collaboration with Jeff Lith as well. Um, We've also got our A3 storyboard for learning teams, which I have to say, people love. Yeah. Actually, that's something we didn't talk about that's worked really well this year. Out of all the stuff we've done, and when people talk about reporting, that thing has been absolutely amazing. And I, you know, I'm so pleased that people look at it and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Why haven't we done it that way before? Instead of the 42-page yep. incident report, we've now and got a 
A3 storyboard. And ah, that's amazing. because making something look easy is hard. Yes. <laughs> making something hard is easy. No, no, I think I've done that a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so look, so so that's great. And, and, and obviously, once again, for, for our listeners, that's about not needing to produce an investigation report. That's about producing a single A3 sheet that tells the story of the event, tells the story of a situation or problem. And anyone in the organization, anyone from the front line to the board member of the governance can pick that up and see themselves in it and take a learning. Yep. So so that that's that's been amazing. Um and, and obviously uh, next year we're also releasing our new tech, our new technology uh, from our 4Ds and learning from everyday work. Now for us it's not new tech. We've been doing this for a couple of years now, haven't we? Yep. And it's been really powerful. And when yep. people see it they go, "Ah. Oh, that is really cool." Exactly. And I I, I just like and I just love that, you know, in 2023 that we've been, um, or sorry, in 2022, we've been really, really pushing it and then adding all sorts of, you know, those aha moments we had this year where we mm-hmm. used augmented reality and watching people just use and go, oh, and what, you know, just with their phone, you know, and all those types of things that we've been allowed to. But I think the AI and some of those things that have been really honed, really amazing. Yeah. Looking forward to so all the stuff for our listeners, all the stuff that we wrote about in the white paper, Learning from Everyday Work, we've now got um, uh, the tech that actually delivers that. And we're just working through that program um, because that is going to be commercial um, about how we do that. But the whole concept is that it's going to be based on a model about how many learnings the organization wants. So it's not a model based on how many people, how many sites, how many this, how many that. It's it's based on a learning model. Yep. Which which I think is is a very fair way of doing it. It's not a tool. Okay. I'm gonna make it clear that how we capture information from workers, their stories, that's actually built with the workers because it's theirs, it's their stories. So it's their sense of ownership. And then the last thing, um, which which is being asked about more and more, is about a, a road a roadmap program that helps both individuals and organisations to embed and create sustainability with learning teams as well. And there's right. been much debate around the right and wrong ways of doing this. You know, I've not been convinced that putting people into a room, training them is the answer. Yeah, you've copped a bit of flack on that too, haven't you? Yeah, no, I I, I have. I mean, we want to build capacity for people. Yes. We want to build their competency, but it's recognising that Everyone learns differently. Yeah. It's recognizing that everyone has come from a different starting point and that I, we need to respect that. Yeah. I not think treat them as the same. Yeah. I think, you know, the, putting them in a room for X number of hours isn't necessarily the best way of doing it. 
I know there's a lot of people that sell that and I get that. And that's probably one, you know, a lot of organizations like it because it's a defined time. Mm -hmm. The thing that I've really noticed this year on the, is when you've got a cohort of people and they can all talk to each other at their own level. Yep. They self-improve by themselves. That's correct. Because they, they feel, they feel comfortable. They feel safe. And when we've done it this year, that's been really amazing and it's been very powerful. And and I think what's what's been good from from my perspective is that we've been running them as a learning team. Yeah. So so people understand the principles of a learning team by being involved. In a learning team. Yeah. Yeah. But like we wrote the book about learning teams by running a learning team about mm. the book. Now, should we stop that? Should we stop using learning teams to drive our models and approaches. Oh, I wouldn't think so. Should, should we swap it out hmm. or something else? No. Seems like a bad idea. Yeah, exactly. So look, 2023, the year of doing. Yes. Um, and probably a bit more travel, which is fine. I don't know, I don't know which is worse, being becoming a a a, a zombie or a, or a you know What's the, what's the equivalent for Microsoft Teams, a Teamster? I don't know which is worse. Yeah, you, can't use, traveling. you can't, can't use, use Teamster. Team. Nah, we'll get not, the, not, the, not the US, we can't. No, not for Brent slash Jimmy Hoffa Robinson. <laughs> um, definitely not. <laughs> but, yeah, but either way, I'm saying nothing right now. Exactly. But either way, 2023 will be a different year to 2022. Yeah. I think we're going to see more more embedding, is my guess. Yeah, yeah. I I sadly think we're going to see a bit more bit more of the the division going on still. Uh, as we as to, we have we to move. raise above it. Yep, and hence the reason why producing more stuff to help people and building stronger community. I was I was on a um I was on a call with um uh, Stephen Scott and the stuff that he's doing around the hop happy hour. And one of the guys asked a really valid point about, you know, you guys talk about all the good stuff of learning teams and hop. What about the bad side? Yep. And it made me think because yes, when you've got, you know, we, we there are people out there that wear the hop robes, you know, and all the rest of it. But the reality was, I said to him, the downside to what I have seen has actually always come about around change management. Yeah. Rather than the, the philosophies or the principles of HOP. Yep. I have certainly seen some organizations use the name learning team when it's not a learning team. But because Good. because it's popular, let's call everything a learning team. Yeah. Yeah. And I think where what I've seen, you know, when people have asked me a similar question is that um, when you engage the workers and you get some learning and they self-provide um, a solution and then you don't let them implement it. So that's a different thing. That, that's back to your management of change. It is. You, yep. want them, you want them to do it. Ah, oh, we're not ready to do it, right? So, yep. you know, as an organization or as a, as a leader, you've got to, we're going to do it, give it a go. Reflect yep. on it, see what worked, what didn't work, what scared you about it, what you know, what um, excited you about it. And there is, I you know, I think 
That's a good point. You know, I think we need to talk about those things. Some of the stuff that we've seen along that journey. Absolutely, and and but we shouldn't. That but they they are not as a result of the principles or philosophies. Not at all. They come back to embedding and sustaining. Hmm. And, and appetite. And as you said before, the same thing happened to Lean. Yep. The same thing would have happened to B- BBS programs. The same thing would have happened to anything where people are trying to create transformation. Yep. So my closing words, and the one from Jeff Lith, is about the Trojan mouse. <laughs> it's about... Yeah, getting leaders to be curious about operational learning and using the frontline workers as a Trojan mouse to show the value in operational learning. Yeah, it's a great way to look at it. All right. So to all our listeners, thank you for your uh, participation in 2022. We hope that you've enjoyed your journey with us um, and looking forward to connecting in 2023. Yeah. Have a happy and safe holiday season and um, we'll see you early in 2023. Thank you listeners for being part of this podcast. We would love to hear your learnings or other topics you would like us to explore about learning teams. Go to www.podcastlearnings.com and give us your feedback. Become part of the community of practice with learning teams. Go to www.learningteamscommunity.com. Support the authors of the practice of learning teams. Purchase the book from Amazon.com or go to www.learningteamsbook.com for an inside look and other free book resources from the authors. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Welcome to Safety Differently Merchandise, the premium sponsor for the Practice of Learning Teams podcast show. Our curated lines of inspirational clothing, headwear, cups, stationery and more, at Safety Differently Merchandise, is befitting of your Safety Differently journey. I am Arthur Taylor, Chief Designer. I have spent decades on Savile Row, and honored to bring my talents, for all fine purveyors and devotees of. Hop. Learning Teams. Safety Differently. Safety 2. And the New View. Please visit the store, and purchase our fine goods at safetydifferently.merch.com. And now, back to the show.